BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Frightfest 2018 preview podcast. Welcome, Christian Soderstrom. Hello. Thank you very much. Very nice to be here and, and speaking with you. Excellent. Too. Oh, I'm, I'm uh, just for the benefit of the of the listener. Um, you I, I did my I did my big uh, sort of mail out today in terms of uh, I get a list from Greg who runs Greg Day who runs who one of the guys who runs Frightfest. So I did right. my big mail out today to all the contacts for all the films. Yeah. And uh, Christian was kindly one of the one of the early ones to respond, and within within what I think four hours of me sending it, we're now talking, recording a podcast. So that's that's a result by any stretch in my imagination. Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously, we've not come to talk about my admin. Um, we've come to talk about your film that's showing at Fright Fest. Do you want to give us the title of it? Yeah, uh, the title is Video Man. Video Man, and and uh, I'll put in the show notes. Uh, links to tickets and the program and stuff, so you don't have to worry about when exactly it's showing. Um, so, do you want to give us a brief synopsis as to what Video Man is all about? Definitely. Uh, it's about a VHS collector uh, mm-hmm. and, and a great um, Giallo fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a drinking problem, and uh, he like in, in a downslope of his life. Uh, got no job. Um, but he, he finds a valuable movie that could save him from eviction because nowadays sometimes you can get quite a lot of money for VHS collectings, uh, in Sweden at least, if you have a whole, um, ev- ev- every movie in a special brand from early 80s, then you can get a lot of money for them. Mm. So. So that this can buy him a few months uh, over his rent, uh, so he don't have to be put out on the street. And um, so, so he's really happy in the beginning of the movie. But then the movie gets stolen, and 
so he starts a desperate hunt for for a perpetrator and uh, along this uh, he he meets an alcoholic woman who's obsessed with the 80s and um, so the, these are like two outsiders uh, joined by nostalgia obviously and and broken dreams uh, and they initiate a romance uh, while while this VHS collector his life starts to turn into an Italian horror movie. It's almost like his life turns into the movie he, he's watching. Um, so that's basically, I think. Oh, the, that sounds like that sounds like, sounds about right. Um, so um, before we go into talking about about the movie, I want to ask a question about you as a as a fan. Clearly, this yeah. this film is is it's it, 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 it's fitting given that the film is rooted so much in nostalgia, like you say, um, right. but. But but what what's your first memory of, of discovering horror for yourself? You know, and that's setting you off as a as maybe a horror fan, and then like you are now a horror filmmaker. What, what what's your first memory of that? I I remember watching Psycho when I was really really small, uh, and and my parents after the shower scene, uh, they sent me to bed because uh, they 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 actually didn't have. A, Good. Um, they didn't know where this film was were going to go. Hmm. I thought it was like a thriller, or but after the shower scene, uh, I mean, I, I was really scared, and and they put me to bed. But uh, I, I couldn't stop thinking about this film, and, and I was talking to it <laughs> to all my friends about it, and so I think uh, that film and and Hitchcock uh, was uh, early influence as. I mean, it's a kind of a cliche, but <laughs> um, it was pretty powerful stuff in, in the beginning of the 80s for when I watched it for the first time. How, how long did it go from when, from when you were, had, had your experience cut short to when you got to see the whole of Psycho? Uh, I think it was maybe five, five years or so. Wow. Was, yeah, so I, I had to... To wait, and I was was really scared because uh, I, I didn't know if I can I handle this. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of a traumatizing thing for me watching that scene. And, and, um, yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. I mean, it's 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 interesting that 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 that, that um, allowing you to watch some of it and then going right to bed yeah. instantly made it into the forbidden fruit, didn't it? Right. Absolutely. So it was a. Uh, it was a mix of, of uh, feelings, of course, uh, really uh, excited and, and also scared. <laughs> no, no, because it, it, in, 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 every, in every sense, most films in this day and age wouldn't get away with that kind of killing off of a main character right. in, at such a crucial juncture in the film, but obviously it's an important part of where the story goes. Yeah, uh, and I mean, at that time, I didn't know how... Um, uh, how 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 do you say? And such a rare thing that was to to mm. kill off the character at, at such an early point in a film. But then I, I I as I grew older and and started to learn about filmmaking, I was so impressed with that. And I mean I I think it's still a an amazing plot point. <laughs> no, totally, totally. Well, look, let's yeah. get on to uh, let's get on to video, man. So yeah. you, you wrote you wrote and directed this film, um, right. 
And uh, so, so you've given, you've outlined the idea for us, but but can can you remember what what was it that 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 was the spark that gave you that set you on on the path to to, to writing Video Man? How did you how did you start with the base? Where did the basic idea start for you, and how did you build it to be the story of a man? Right. Uh, um... Late nineties, I was trying to to uh, to write my first uh, script, and then I was really influenced by Brian De Palma, mm-hmm. especially Dress to Kill, and uh, so I was trying to write something in the vein of that. And uh, but I I, I felt uh, um, every night I felt like big angst because I it felt like this isn't real for me. It's something missing. I. Uh, but uh, in the daytime, it always said, "No, now I'm back on track. This is good." But, but then I, during this process, it was a really uh, hard time um, to to start to be creative and and don't know if I uh, get a grip on this. Uh, mm. You know, I, it even felt right. Uh, so. I was also collecting VHS movies at that time, uh, hardcore, and, and watching everything I got hold of. Uh, and I, I, I got the tip to visit a, a special VHS um, uh, store uh, with a very knowledgeable, knowledgeable man running it. And, and this guy, I talked for him about an hour and I felt that I was so um, intrigued by this guy. Because he was like running this video store. It, it was his life and and uh, everything. He told me so many bizarre stories about uh, how he run this business and, and how, how uh, serious it got. Um, mm. so, I, so I asked him, can, can, I, can I hang around here for a week and, and film, film your, uh, your daily life, basically? And, and uh, so I was. It was sorting out this uh, documentary project. Wow! And, and and then I, after that week, I, I had such an amazing stuff of, of uh, material, uh, and I felt because I, I always wanted to make features, uh, um, not not documentaries, but this was a starting point, and this this was like '98 or something. Uh, but so I wrote the script because uh, then I, I moved away to LA and uh, to UCLA where I got my education as a director, and and then back to Sweden to try to to make this film, and uh, it was really hard to finance and um, it it got into my drawer and and disappeared for many many years, uh, and um, but then I I. Uh, I think it was 2015, I, I started to think about it again because then I've been trying to make features for so long. I made shorts, uh, got in a few awards, I, I made commercials and, mm-hmm. and uh, corporate films. And I was so fed up with that. And I thought, okay, now is the time to make my first feature. If I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. And, and then it felt like this is the film I... Um, it felt, even if I read a lot of new scripts after that, it felt like this is the film I can make cheap, and, and I found a great location for it. Uh, that was still in a, like a video store. Oh, okay, okay. Rebuilt in a cellar. Um, so um, 
Yeah, that, that was basically the starting point. And, and then I found an, an actor uh, who I really think could do this guy. Uh, and I wrote it. I think I, I kept two scenes from that old script and, and like put this guy. What, what would happen with this guy if you put him in the society of today where, where VHS is long gone and digital is everything it is? <laughs> um, and, and a guy who can't cope with that. So he's, he's like, he was on top on the 80s and 90s uh, and, and got an award a few times in a row, uh, the best video uh, store owner in Sweden, the best. He was like, a, that was his prime time. And now he was driving a bus and, and uh, drunk and he was like, you know, really down. <laughs> well, no, I mean, there's a, there's a brilliant. I don't know if you, there's a brilliant story about um, that the CEO of Netflix tells, where in in the in the early days of their mod their business model, where they move where they were moving towards streaming, they needed some cash. Yeah. And 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 one of their competitors, because there was still a market for renting DVDs and videos, was Blockbuster. And right. so they, they went to Blockbuster cap in hand and said, you know, you're going to be redundant soon. Why don't you become part of the future and invest in what we're doing? Yeah. To which the CEO of Blockbuster said, well, I don't think there's going to be ever more than about a million people willing to stream a film off the internet. Right. And this was like early noughties. And obviously yeah. the, the rest, as they say, is history as... Uh, yeah. Something like I think twenty five percent of internet use in America is down to Netflix, right. <clears throat> which uh, you know that's. Uh, but but yeah, I, I lived in a town in, in in north in north of England in Manchester where the guys who run the video stores were like almost like local celebrities because they had <laughs> they had the gold as it were, um, right. Right. and then and then like you say, technology and the way that we consume movies changes that. So it's a, it's a great, it's a great idea for a man who's kind of, I guess it's, I mean, it's going to sound like a really weird example, but you know, in the, in the way that um, Peckinpah does in the wild bunch, where he basically shows you people that are out of time because they won't change. Right. So that makes them interesting to start with, which I think is what makes your, um, is it Ennio Medina? Uh, exactly. Uh, interesting because he, he, he's stuck, isn't he? In a, in a, in another time, but living in the present. Exactly, uh, I, I'm really in love with the concept of uh, people don't. I mean, building their own worlds around them uh, in a different society. So they, they they build their own small small society and um, to to cope with the, uh, the outside world. Uh, they need to have this way of escaping from what they can't handle. So in, inside this little little world of his, he is a king, and, and he's a really prestigious man. <laughs> and um, outside, he always gets uh, the prestige uh, amount is very low. But when when he comes in his small cellar with all the films, and when he gets visited by all, all these nerds and, and and collectors, and then he's still the king. So. What, what is what in 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 Sweden? What 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 is it about the 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 fascination with the VHS? I mean, in 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 Britain, I understand I understand it because I grew up during the video nasty regime right. where where everything got banned, and yeah. having spent time in Norway 
where it was even more Puritan than Britain. You know, more films got banned. I can understand the kind of, almost like the, going back to that phrase, forbidden fruit element to it, but I don't, Sweden wasn't particularly censorious, was it? In terms of what videos were available. So what what has made certain VHS cassettes, like, you know, like Zombie that's at the centre of your film, mm. um, what is, and is, is that a real idea that they're very valuable in Sweden? Um, actually, we, we had a... They were putting out, out the real um, uh, kind of nasty horror films in, in, in the beginning of the business here, mm. VHS business in early 80s. And then they had like a, a TV show. We had two TV channels and one of them had a... A, a TV show called Studio S, where they were like uh, reviewing these films and, okay. and uh, putting it uh, to the front and, and saying that this is terrible, terrible movies, and, and young people are available to see them. And they were like out on, on schools and in, interviewing kids about this. Have you seen that? And it was like they, they were. Uh, putting out this as a, something terrible that we must stop. And, and after that show, uh, so we had kind of a, a, a similar thing to the Video Nasties. Really? Uh, they, they, so a lot of movies that were put out, uh, like um, in my film we're talking about a, a company called, distributor called Video Invest. Yeah. They had like 26 great horror films like Zombie and, and a lot of Fulci and, and you know, cannibal movies. Uh, and they they disappeared after one year. Wow. So that, that has been like a cult thing to, to try to get the whole series, like with, you know, bands of books where you have the complete Strindberg or whatever. Mm. But here, like if you have the complete video invest, then you're... Uh, someone to deal with in that community. No, no, that, that makes sense now. Yeah, no, I, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. So, um, so, so that's the only way they, people in, in Sweden today that are collecting VHSs, they, they want all the originals that's been standing in the video shelves early 80s from a few, a few uh, rare um, distributors. Now, it's it, what's interesting about VHS, which I, yeah. I remember um, a Manchester friend of mine called David Karekis, who, used to, who runs a thing called Head Press, and, yeah. and the publisher Critical Vision. Um, and, uh, Critical Vision, I think it is. doesn't matter. Head Press is publishing arm. And they put out films like um, books like Killing for Culture, and uh, which was about you know investigating whether or not the snuff movie ever existed or or See No Evil, which was a documented sort of plotted the history of the video nasty in Britain and and, the, and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but um, but he he I remember him saying to me in the mid nineties that the video cassette would go the way of vinyl and become like there'd be specialist sections where right. you, where you go. But with vinyl, I understand there's like this earthy, real analog quality to the sound of a vinyl, yeah. whereas VHS to watch, yeah. Is a terrible experience. I yeah. mean, we, we, we never knew how bad it had been until, you know, I guess the first few, even just high definition ones, never mind the two and 4K things we're getting these days right. as a norm. So, is, is the, within the cult of the VHS, is there 
that you that you know in Sweden. Is is there is there a thing about watching it on the VHS on the cathode ray and everything? Is that still a thing, or is it just the collecting the boxes? Yeah, uh, I would say mainly it's about collecting the boxes and, and having like this rare hmm. gem. In, in, in the shelf, and, uh, but there are a few people that actually think it's a it's a nice thing to to get this uh, you know the dis, uh, distorting things when it starts and and uh, it's a full frame. It's terrible for the film. <laughs> I mean, for a filmmaker, it's a nightmare. But uh, yeah, it's it's such a they get a kick out of the like in, in vinyl when you heard the you know the cracks and mm. uh, but I think I, these people that do this they also collect Blu-rays of course uh, um, they have like five different versions of all the films but mm. they still like to have the original VHS uh, but uh, of course there are many that don't play them because they're afraid that they're going to uh, get damaged, yeah. but um, actually a few of them are, are enjoying playing that, uh, playing them as well. But I mean that's a small click. It's a really no, no, I understand. No, no, I understand. So, so for, for for you, what was what was the experience like shooting on the streets of uh, Gothenburg? Uh, it, it was it was pretty nice. We we have. Um, it's kind of easy in Sweden to to shoot without permits and, and, and stuff like that. Okay. Of course, you can't go out into a restaurant or whatever. Hmm. So I mean, we had a lot of those things. But but if you go out on the street, street, you you can get away with a lot of uh, like semi documentary footage. Hmm. Um, if you have the main characters in the forefront and you have like people moving around, it's not a big deal if you point a camera. Uh, around. That's nice. That's nice. That's a nice, a nice world to live in. Uh, yeah. Filmmakers. So, so in terms of the shoot, then, do you want to tell us something that something about the shoot that was sort of a either a hairy story or, a, or or a big challenge that only people that were there on the shoot will know about that you can share with the Britflix audience? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a. Obviously, lots of stores, and we, we had a real issue with time. We, we tried since this project was really low budget, and, mm -hmm. and uh, many of the actors went into it with their paycheck in 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 the film. So, uh, when or if if money comes uh, comes back to us, then we're going to pay pay them afterwards. So they uh, invested in the film. Uh, not everybody. Uh, especially not the post-production we had a hard time doing that uh, but we, we also tried to find a lot of people that were able to step up one you know in, in on the ladder uh, mm. to to feel like if they don't get paid at least they get a credit on a feature uh, as a somebody they rather be than they usually are in in, in the business um, uh, and, and um, but I mean that's uh, when you're making this kind of movie, you, it's it's tough to. Um, I mean, it's easy to attract people that aren't <laughs> um, that. Uh, I mean, 
I think in Sweden, at least, there are a lot of people dreaming about doing films, and there's a lot of weirdos also. <laughs> surely not, surely not. And, and, and <laughs> that's probably widespread. But we had a real big problem with a, a collaborator that were in, was, she was going to be like a co-producer, and she was... Uh, hasting everybody else. She, she was really good at talking and, you know, uh, making us believe that she was going to fix the distribution in Germany and she was doing a lot of things. Uh, and then she, like, diff- uh, totally, um, what do you say, get r- off the rail. And, and she was trying to alter the script and, and she was, like, re- calling different people like every night and, and trying to manipulate them to blime christian said this and um you should i don't know she was trying to almost sink the whole thing uh if she didn't get her way uh, and it seems like she she was going to she wanted to be part of the script telling and and like creative choices what would what would I mean? That doesn't sound like a, like a too pleasant memory. What was what's your favourite memory from the shoot? Um, mm, I, I I always loved the being. I mean, in in behind the camera and and uh, when, when something really uh, gets the way you wanted it, or even better. When, mm. I mean, when when the actors really. Uh, takes it and, and uh, lift it off the script. Um, they make, when you feel like this is, this is starting to feel like real characters, not uh, the stuff that I've been thinking of, uh, thinking up back in my little chamber. Yeah, I was going to say, so if you, if you were writing, if you were writing it with, I guess you, you said you were writing it with Stefan, do you pronounce his name, Soap? Yeah, Stefan Soak. Yeah, yeah. Stefan so Stefan, so you say you wrote that with him in mind, right? right. So what, what, when you were shooting him as Enio, yeah, what did he bring that surprised you? Um, it was, it felt like pretty much a, a typecasting thing, because hmm. uh, I've seen him way back in a TV series where, where he was like just fabulous. Because hmm. uh, uh, I, I'm really looking for a. Uh, black comedy thing and, and, and mixed emotions in the same I mean this film is like a black comedy you could say with a soul of a human drama mm. and, and he, he's really good at being humorous while still being really serious and, and, and manic uh, he's a really special guy I, I think he has something he can sometimes be over the top and still convincing, uh, and I think it's really rare. Uh, so, so I, I, I knew, but that, that he had the, those really special qualities. But I was afraid that he's he's been doing like action films for many years. Right. So I wanted to bring him back to the old Stefan Salk, mm. and I, I was a little bit afraid that do you still get this in you? <laughs> you know, so we had a lot of meetings before talking about this and, and what I wanted to do with it. And, and we were like walking and talking uh, the way the character, we were like, we spent a lot of time 
figuring out. Uh, but 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 he was great, uh, very physical actor. Uh, when he got the the, the walk down and and, and a certain uh, ticks that he had, you know, then it felt like. Uh, yeah, it felt really secure with him. No, 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 sure. Now, one face that, that he's not in the film that much, but there's a, there's a, there's um Martin, um Martin Wallstrom, who right from from Mr. Robot. How did how did you get Martin involved in the film? Because obviously, it's not he's not in the biggest role, is he? No, exactly. Uh, we, we, what I what I was trying to do with this film, what the, uh, the two main characters, Steph, Stefan and 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 Lena. Mm-hmm. Some uh, they're really good Swedish actors, but kind of forgotten. They, they're like uh, like the two characters in the film. I, I'm 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 really fascinated with blending the real persona with the screen persona. Okay, that's uh, interesting. In in some way, mm-hmm. and I felt that since the film is really about no- nostalgia and and uh, past. Uh, People are that's not successful successful today, but had a great life in the eighties. Hmm. That's they're like looking back all the time, and 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 that kind of fitted them as actors as well. So I really hope this will, in Sweden at least, bring them back to, you know, um, the A list or <laughs> you know people that will start calling them and remembering them. Yeah, that they were great back in the days, but. They're still great, uh, but uh, in the sense of the other, the supporting roles, I wanted to have famous actors because I really like uh, famous actors that are working a lot today. Because mm. I like I like putting famous faces in, in small roles. I think that really brings something to it, uh, an extra, uh, a good actor that can really you know do something with a small character. Mm. Uh, put a mark in them, and Martin is certainly one of those. He can, he, I mean, I, I, I love what he does um, with this kind of. It's a really small character, but he makes it much larger, and we actually used more of him than we were thinking of, <laughs> and that goes for a, a lot of the others as well. well one last question: um, what, what was your convers- given, given the nature of the? Um of the um, nostalgia and the sort of re- retrospective look back on uh, that's, that's part of what's going on, i.e. Lena's life, you know, and uh, Enio's shop and this idea that he might, he might open another one, another video shop in 2018. <clears throat> what was your conversation like with your cinematographer about the look and feel you wanted to achieve with, with, right. with the film? Yeah. Uh... We, we, of course, it is a, the Giallo film is a big, big mm. influence on me, and, and uh, Italian horror, uh, uh, and and uh, of course we looked at a lot of uh, Dario Argento stuff and and Fulci and uh, Mario Bava. I wanted to have, I mean, in, since this is a kind of an escape for him, the cellar where he lives, where he mm. got all his films, uh, that 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 should feel like. His mind, where it is, it is in in the Italian movie world. Uh, so so that would should be like a, a little bit over the top, mm. and the rest of the film should be like more realistic lighting, because uh, then it's I, I really like the contrast of him being in this heightened 
milieu. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Where, yeah, where he feels, where he gets his kicks. And then stepping outside is a kind of a tough deal where you get the reality in his face. So, now, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that you, um, that you might, you might litter this film with real references from real films. Right. Uh, do, is there any, is there any, as, for those that are, uh, uh, are thinking about going to see it, what, what can they, um, what can they be looking out for that you, uh, that you show off in the, in Video Man? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I had a real tough time um, getting because I always like that there should be if you show a um, show a TV screen, it should be a real film, not mm. something that's you know um, trying to look like the real deal. Yeah. But I got a, a film that I really like is um, uh, a film called Nothing Underneath by Carlo Vanzina. It's mm. uh, tragically passed away, uh, really recent. Uh, that's a Jalo film in the 80s. Because okay. I was also looking for 80s Jalos right. uh, to fit uh, um, uh, this story. Mm -hmm. especially. And, and we also have, then we have a Swedish cult films called uh, Thriller, a cruel movie. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that one. Christina Lindbergh. No, I've not, no. Now, it's kind of a cult favorite, and I think Tarantino has it on a top list. He, he really loves that film. Okay. Um, and and uh, so I got to I got a good relationship with the director. He, he did a few really good films in the seventies, and then he just disappeared. So I, I tracked him down, and um, and then there are references. We're talking of talking about Fulci and Argento, and who's the best between them. Mm. Uh, Fanboy spats about things like this. Um, so, um, well, there's a lot of uh, references. JB, uh, of course, is drinking JB all the time. Mm. Um, if you're a Jello fiend, I think you will find a lot of references. Excellent, That's excellent. Well, look, th thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for, for having me. The BritFlix podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. 
head to Hero.co to shop today.